You know, walking with Jesus since 1985, and uh, it's been a great journey, some 32 years now, uh, in this journey of walking with the King. I love it. And as I've started kind of paying attention to Western church and the American church, there seems to be a fundamental problem that exists amongst the church today. And it goes something like this, Lord, I want to do what I want to do, and I want to be what I want to be, and I want to have what I want to have, but I want you to bless it. It is not about us. And, and, and I think so many times, if we're not careful, we try to reduce God down to manageable terms and make him our equal, and it's not working. That whole mindset of I want to be what I want to be and have what I want to have and do what I want to do basically is saying, God, you exist for the purpose of taking care of me. And that's such a fallacy in belief. Again, Rick and I, uh, Bloomquist, who is our new student ministries pastor, please get to know he and Kara. But we had this conversation recently, and if you ask the majority of people, why did Jesus die on the cross? Many will come back and say, he died for me. He died so that I can have eternal life. Then the gospel becomes all about you, and Jesus is only here for you, and God is only here for you. And that, that, that's not it. Rick looked and said, he died in obedience to the Father, to glorify the Father. I said, that's the answer. So how you answer certain questions and even how you view what your purpose is is crucial for how you do life. God created us for his good pleasure. God created us for his good pleasure. You've been created for the pleasure of God. We were created on purpose, and we were created with purpose. He has a reason for everything he does. Everything that God does is intentional, but you have been created with a purpose, and your purpose is to worship God. It would be good to go ahead and write that down and just go ahead and get the the, the theme of today out of the way, just say, I have been created to worship God. The purpose of life does not revolve around us. It's not about our desires and our happiness and our personal uh, satisfactions in life. Again, the premise statement is, it's all about Him. It's all about Him. And so, as you start to study Scripture, everything starts with Him and everything ends with Him. That's the reason I will declare often here that God didn't start when start got started. He started start. And God didn't begin when the beginning began. He began the beginning. Thus, before there's time, God has always existed as God, and God doesn't need our help in being God. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, pivotal, pivotal passage. For by him, for by him, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him, and all things have been created for him. Circle those key words, all things have been created by him, all things have been created through him, all things have been created for him. Now think about this, how much of the universe is accessible to us today in human, as human beings. When you look at the universe that God has created, you ask the question, how much of it is even accessible to you and I? Very little. 
Now, we realize with the technology of the Hubble telescope, we've been able to look further into space than ever before. Now, there's millions upon millions and billions of stars. The Scripture says that He knows them by name. Billions of stars exist that we will never see even with the technology of the Hubble telescope. Galaxies exist. And you have to ask the question, why do they exist? What is the purpose? And I can tell you, they exist for the pleasure of God. When you dive into the depths of the sea and the corals and the different uh, creation that God has laid out, why does that exist? For the pleasure of God. And just like everything in the universe exists for the pleasure of God, when you walked in here today, I announce and declare to you that you exist for the pleasure of God. You will only find satisfaction of the soul when you ultimately find your worship in the one who made you. Now, if we focus on ourselves, we will ultimately waste our lives. Misplaced worship has led many to anxiety and depression and worry and fear. I'm going to get to that and explain more what I mean by that statement. But misplaced worship creates all types of chaos in us. We don't focus on ourselves. We focus on the author and the perfecter and the finisher of our faith, the one who opened his mouth and said, let there be. God has created everything that we see, even us here today, and we, we only find satisfaction when Jesus becomes the center of it all, and then lasting joy and peace and hope is experienced in our journey. Here again is the statement, we exist for God. God created us for his own personal pleasure couple of simple passages out of Matthew 6.33. Many know this. Seek first his kingdom, seek first his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. What he's saying is only when you put me first and put me center and put me at the top of your priority list, only then will you find fulfillment in life. Seek first the kingdom. He goes on to say in chapter 10 verse 39, if you cling to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give it up for Jesus, you're going to find it. Where does satisfaction of the soul take place? In a resolve to worship God, to honor God, to serve God, to follow God, to adore God with everything that you have. 1 Corinthians 2.9, one of my favorite verses says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind can conceive what God has in store for those who love him. Think, think about that in your own journey. Your eye can't see it. Your ear cannot even register it. Your mind can't conceive what God is able to do because he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything we can ask or think according to his power that desires to dwell in us and work through us. You're here for the pleasure of God. And it is amazing what God can do with a body of believers such as this if we found our ultimate pleasure and worship in Him and Him alone. God created us to worship. Now, Tim Keller made this observation. You don't decide to worship. Everyone worships something. The only thing you get to decide is what will you worship. Don't, shh, don't miss it. 
Every person in this room worships something. What do I worship? What calls the shots? What is in the center of my life? What governs and directs who I am? Now, biblically defined, worship is the expression of adoration and reverence to our holy God. When you define worship, what you're saying is, the adoration and reverence of my soul is to God and Him alone. Another working definition would be this, worship is when you willfully surrender the reins and rule and control of your life to the Lordship of Christ. Now I'm starting to worship. The Greek word for worship is the word proskunia. Proskunia, when it is found in the New Testament, literally means to fall down before and bow down before and humble adoration. Now, each and every one of us come in here today and we're worshiping something. What are we falling before? What are we bowing before? What are we empowering? It can be a relationship. It can be a job. It can be your financial portfolio. For some get stuck and it becomes alcohol, drugs, and sex. But each and every person walks in here today, proskunia to something. What do I bow before? What do I worship? What do I give my full attention and adoration to? Now, true worship is defined biblically by who God is and where he ranks on our priority list. Who is he? Well, he's the creator of all things. He's the one that spoke the worlds into existence. Who is he? He's loving. He's caring. He's faithful. He's dependable. He's trustworthy. He's merciful. He's graceful. Go ahead and head and ahead. Who is he? he the glory of God is the sum of the magnificent attributes of who God is. So when we say that I worship God, we can't worship the attribute that we like the most. We have to bow before him and say, you're God. Who are you? And you invite me to know you. The the manifestation of this true worship is going to lead us, don't miss it, don't miss it, when I'm worshiping God in spirit and in truth, what it's going to lead me to is extravagant love and a lifestyle of holiness. I'm telling you, when a person is worshiping God and God has captured the essence of your heart and God is now Lord, Shelley, Bobby, here's what's going to happen. There's going to be extravagant love toward him and others and your lifestyle now is going to be flooded with holiness, sacredness, righteousness, because that's what God is about. So worship, in its purest definition again, is not just one area of your life, but worship is your life. Because whatever is on the throne and whatever you're bowing to is going to call the shots 24-7, 365. Now, sometimes we go to church and we don't worship. And sometimes we sing songs and we don't worship. Let me go ahead and get this one out of the way. Worship has nothing to do with a song. I've had people look at me at times in the past, and they'll look and go, well, I enjoyed the teaching, but I didn't enjoy the worship. Worship has nothing to do with a song. We could come in here and have a six-year-old lead us in Jesus loves me, this I know. But if my heart is surrendered and yielded to the king, I could have a Holy Ghost worship experience. Some walk in based on your own marinade, and it was hymn books and pianos. That has nothing to do with worship. That has only to do with a style of song. 
We can bang guitars and bang drums and do whatever you want to do. But worship is an attitude of the heart where you come in reverenced before God. Yes. Worship has nothing to do with a guitar. Worship may have everything to do with a guitar if your heart is yielded and surrendered to Jesus. Worship is picking up trash. Brother Lawrence practicing his presence. So, a lot of people come to church and never worship. A lot of people sing songs and they never worship. A lot of people listen to sermons and they never worship. A lot of people serve in a certain area on the campus with kids or whatever and never worship because the heart is not yielded and surrendered. Worship is surrendering everything that you have to the Lordship and leadership of Christ. Fellowship without worship is just hanging out. A lot of people go, hey, man, I need fellowship. Well, if your heart is not worshiping the king and yielded to the king and surrendered to the king, you're not fellowshipping. You're just hanging out. Uh, Discipleship without worship is just a creative mental exercise. That's just the truth, Josh. Uh, Ministry without worship is just going through the motions. And there's a lot of people that we've been burned by church experience that you walked out of there and you said, it was just going through the motions. There was no prep, there was no planning, there was no prayer, just going through the motions. Evangelism without worship is a misguided sales pitch. Worship, what is it? I want to give you some principles to chew on. True worship, it's a lifestyle, is surrendering our lives to the Lordship of Jesus. Don't miss it, don't miss it, don't miss it. The most authentic thing we can do in regards to really worshiping God is surrendering ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Romans 12.1 says it this way, I urge you and I beg you, and in view of God's mercies, present yourselves as living sacrifices, holy, acceptable, and pleasing to God. And he goes on to say this, this is your true worship. This is your true worship. Worship. What's true worship? I urge you, Gentiles who have now been grafted in with Israel, I urge you in view of God's mercies that he would allow a bunch of mutts and sooners like you and I to be grafted into his righteous family, that he would pursue us in our lostness, in our darkness, and that he would pluck us out of the ruins of darkness and transfer us into the kingdom of light. I urge you in view of what God's done for you, To present yourself is a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable, pleasing. What does he say? This is your true worship. Everything that I'm about to share builds on this one major point. It is my surrender to the lordship of Jesus. You call the shots. You're my king. You're my master. You're my authority. I surrender. A lot of us grew up singing, I surrender all. But did we? And so I believe that's the invitation from the king. I'm a chain breaker. I want to set you free. I want to do something amazing in your life, but you've got to surrender. Second thing would be this. When I start to really worship God, I'm putting my focus on the Lord. My focus is fixed on the Lord. Worship is not based on my personal preferences, prejudices, or even my own personal priorities. Worship is when I choose to focus on the Lord. When I choose to honor the Lord. My buddy Sid Breen, this was crazy. Years and years ago, I was hanging out with Sid. And I said, what are you chewing on? What are you pondering? He said, I just memorized this verse. I said, what verse? He said, Isaiah 26, 3. 
I said, I don't know that one. I was young in my faith. I said, what does Isaiah 26, 3 say, Sid? He said, it says this. God says, I'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind stays fixed on me. This was the dude who was playing Major League Baseball. This was the guy who was going through the journey. Listen, listen. I will keep you in perfect peace if you stay fixed and focused on me. So reality is, the reality is worship is everything we do. But it's a reflection of what we're bowing to. Everything I do is worship, but it declares who is sitting on the throne of my life. When you see me, is it flesh patterns? When you see me, is it arrogance? When you see me, is it lying? When you see me, is it manipulating? Or do you see, listen, or do you see the manifestation of the Spirit of God where there's love and there's joy and there's peace and there's patience and there's kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control? And when you, when you get squeezed, what comes out? Because what comes out oftentimes is a statement of what you're focusing on, what you're giving your allegiance to, what your devotion is to. Here's a third one. True worship requires me getting out of the way. You could write this one yourself. We have to learn to eliminate worries, fears, anxieties, and all these other things. Now remember, worship. Misplaced worship leads to anxiety, worry, fear. When I've got misplaced worship, it means I'm bowing to the wrong thing. But once I dedicate through surrender and I focus, then the power of the Holy Spirit starts to show me things that I need to eliminate. Every one of us walk in here today with things that we could eliminate. Physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, relationally. But here's the problem. Each and every one of us get in the... We get in our own way of worshiping God at times. We empower things that shouldn't be empowered. We gravitate toward less wild lovers that we shouldn't be pursuing. And God goes, stop it. I love you. I'm pursuing you. I'm enough for you. Cease striving and know that I am God. I want you to know me. So so once that starts to happen, I got to get out of the way. It also requires that I make personal sacrifices. We cannot become... The person that God wants us to be without making some personal sacrifices in areas. I'm telling you for all those years, from the time I was a little boy growing up, all of a sudden I come to faith in Jesus after Little League and Babe Ruth and high school and college and two years of pro ball. And God goes, you are gripping the ball so tight that I can't do anything with your life. He goes, you think you're gripping the ball, but the ball is gripping you. Let go. Elbow, shoulder. And some of us come in here today, and we're holding on to things so tight. We're so tense, and we're so bound up. And God's like, you need to make some personal sacrifices. There's some things you're going to have to let go of. Some some of you got some bad toxic relationships in your life, and God's like, stop it. So, so some of you are gri- still drifting toward the bottle to try to sedate and medicate, and I know you got pain, but he's like, stop, stop that. Inappropriate relationships, stop, stop that. 
But there's personal sacrifices as we crawl, as we crawl on the altar as a living sacrifice, there's certain things he's going to ask us to sacrifice if we're going to be fully alive in Christ. What is God showing you? What needs to be eliminated? What personal sacrifices uh, need to be made? Here's another one. True authentic worship is not based on circumstances. Circumstances never make us, they just reveal us. 2 Samuel chapter 20, David jacks it up. David has made a mess of some things, all right? He's, he's taken Bathsheba, she gives birth to this baby, and David knows the baby is sick. And David, David's looking, going, God, save this baby, heal this baby. David eventually writes Psalm 51, a psalm out of brokenness and confession and conviction and everything before the Lord. But David is crying out to God in 2 Samuel chapter 12, asking God to save this baby's life. And the baby dies. Now, I can't imagine what it's like to have a baby that dies. You'll hear a testimony here in a bit from Ronnie and Keisha. I can't imagine what that feels like. But when it happened, listen to what the text says. It says, after the baby died, David got up from the ground where he was fasting and praying. He went into the house of the Lord and he worshiped. Did you hear this? In the midst of this pain, in the midst of this heartache, in the midst of this baby dying, David concluded, if there's any time ever in my life I need the Lord, it's right now. And for a lot of people, you go through circumstances that are painful, and you start to drift from the Lord. When you're going through pain, and you're going through heartache, and you're going through death, and you're going through that prodigal, if there's any time ever you need to press in and worship the king, it's then. Circumstances don't make us. They only reveal us. But circumstances are an invitation for us to run back to the heart of God and to fall before him, proskunia, and bow and worship and say, you're God, I'm not. And some of you come in here today and you're hurting and you're knocked down and God goes, come on. It's time to get back in my presence. It's time to get back to my heart. It's time to fall before me and worship me. Come on. Come on. You were made to worship God. Here's another one. True worship is celebrating who God is and what God's done. Don't miss it. Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Shout. Worship the Lord. Proskunia, bow down, fall down before the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who has made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Worship him, worship him, worship him. Look at who he is. Read through the Psalms. Fall in love with who God is. Study the character of God. Study the attributes of God. Study who God is. It will blow your mind. You'll be left with Isaiah saying, whoa, angels flying saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come like uh, the apostle John. But you'll say, woe is me in the presence of you 
Look at who you are. You're God. Look at what he's done. Journal. Look back over your journey. 32 years. October of 85. Look at where God brought you from. Your mouth was so jacked up, you dropped every stinking F-bomb on the planet, dude. But God cleaned up your language. Yes, you cleaned my language up. Hallelujah. You were at bars every stinking night, dollar picture night, guzzling like a guppy. Wow, he cleaned my life up right there. You start looking at what he's done, not only in the world, but in your personal life. God, I remember I started praying for a godly woman. Bam, a Canadian girl shows up. (laughs) Oh, Canada. Okay, so here we go. But you start looking back things that you journaled, things that you were praying for. And God says, I, I, look at how faithful I was to you. Look at when you were down. You were broke as a joke, but I've restored what the locust has eaten. Yes, you have. And some of us would be so wise to just start journaling. Man, you're good. You're awesome. You're faithful. You're dependable. You're trustworthy. 20 plus days on a math trip, not sleeping. And all of a sudden you sit here in this worship center this morning in your right mind going, God is a restoring God. Come on. That's the story of some of our people. Porn addicts, meth addicts, adulterers. Can I tell you? Just goody two-shoes, self-righteous that got delivered and set free. Every person that walks in here today, I am totally convinced that you want to believe that God's enough for you. The amount of darkness you live in has nothing to do with how good his light is. And some of us, we look and go, well, I ain't ever done anything bad. Well, compared to the glory and goodness of God, how much good have you done? All of us need the light. All of us need the hope of salvation. All of us need restoration. Anybody get pumped up in here today? (laughs) But everything we do, everything, everything should be an act of worship. Everything we do can and should be an act of worship. The conversations we have the relationships we have, the places we go, who we hang out with, what we do. Come on, break it down. Simple, simple, simple in closing. Practical spiritual habits that will increase your worship with the king. One, worship through prayer. You go, man, I I know all about this prayer stuff, but do you? Prayer. Prayer in its purest definition. It's not trying to get God to come to where... I am. You follow me? Prayer is standing on the shore. Prayer is sitting in the boat and casting my boat hook over to the shore. This is prayer. I'm in the boat. I'm floating around. And prayer is casting my boat hook as it grabs and starting to pull. I don't pull the shore to me. I pull myself to the shore. Prayer in its purest definition, Wayne, is aligning my will to the will of God. And for me to surrender to where God is. Don't miss it. Prayer. I, I, I got saved. A buddy wrote Acts on a piece of paper. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know how do you pray. The model prayer Jesus gave to the disciples. Our Father who art in heaven. Yeah. 
went through that. He said, why don't you spend some time just doing this Acts thing? I'm like, what's Acts, Michael Dean? He's like, spend time in adoration. I'm like, I can do that. Reading through Psalms, whatever. Just adore God. Spend some time in confession. I'm like, I got plenty of time for that with where I was in my journey. He says, spend some time just giving thanks of how good God's been, A-C-T. And then spend some time in supplication, praying for other people. You can pray. You can yield. You can surrender. You can journal. You can sit down and do this. One of the great things that we can do, listen, we can pray without ceasing. It can be a 24-7 habit, discipline, practice in our journey. Come on. God wants you to do that. Here's the second thing. Create a consistent habit of reading and studying the Bible. Create a consistent habit of reading and studying. Reading and meditating. Reading, pondering it, studying it, dissecting it. God, you tell me to worship you in spirit and in truth. Your word is truth. Grass withers, flowers fade. Your word is truth. Blessed is a man who establishes himself in the word of God. He's like a tree who, who yields fruit throughout the year. That's what he says. My word is alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Yes, all scripture is inspired by God. Create the habit. You go, I, I don't even know how to start. I'm young to this faith journey. I, I don't even know where to start. Steve Joyner is going to be in the back as soon as it's over with. Our foundations class. He kicked it off this past Wednesday night. You know what he wants to do? He wants to put his arm around you and say, hey, we want to talk about who is God? Who is Jesus? Who is the Holy Spirit? What is prayer? All of these basic things. Why is the scripture important? I, I don't even know where to start. We want to help you get going. We want to help you. And so each and every one of us sitting here today, the reason we're doing that 40-day purpose-driven journey is to get us pondering biblical truth. So hopefully it leads to a lifestyle of devotion and dependence on God that we seek him through the word. Come on. Three, obey God immediately. Man, as I pray and as I get into the Word, one of the characteristics of a person that's truly worshiping God is they obey immediately. There's not this delay in their obedience. I mean, if Barb and I do anything in our home with our kids, it's all what belongs to you, but it's this obedience. When we say, hey, take the trash out, I'll get it in a minute. Hey, your minute's up. You're on my time, homie, now. Delaying obedience is denying obedience. And the more we walk with the king and he starts to point things out for us, we go, obey it. Go apologize. Extend forgiveness. Love your neighbor. Give. Serve. Whatever he shows you, the true heart of worship is being able to obey him immediately. We don't delay it. If we can develop that, each and every one of us, what would we look like? Come on, what would we look like? Here's another one. Ah, oh, I knew you were going to go there. But it's true, it's true, it's true. We tithe and we live generous lives. Why do we do it? Why do we do it? God says, bring the, the first fruits in. Why do we do it? I was doing it before I started pastoring because it's biblical. It's a trust issue. It's an obedient issue. It's a faithfulness issue back to God. Why do you live generous lives? Because that's what God has required of us. 
I inspire you. Test me and see if I will not open up the floodgates. Can I tell you something? Living generous and, and obeying God in this area is one of the most liberating things you can do. Dennis Hicks, you know it. And God starts to set us free. You go, but I've been burned. I, I have too. I, some of the money I gave to other Christian ministries and churches, it was misappropriated. I, I'm right there with you. But I was responsible to honor God. John Smoltz and Jeff Fox were the years ago. These two guys, their kids were going to a certain Christian school. I'll leave it there. While they were going to this school, they were getting ready to do this new building campaign. And so the pastor came to these two guys and said, I want y'all to be a part of this committee. I want y'all to be a part of my team. So they were brought in. Now, neither one of them had the spiritual depth and spiritual maturity that they should have been a part of helping grow or lead something. I'm just saying. But as they were a part of this, about six or eight weeks into it, the pastor looks and says, all right, here's the casting of the vision. Here's what we're asking you to do in regards to participation. These guys minimally gave 250000 each. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money for us. That's a lot of money no matter how much money you make. About three weeks after they gave this money, the pastor fired the board and fired the committee and took the vision in a whole different direction. Now, you're talking about some hurt dudes and some mad dudes. There was some pain going on. I'm talking to my friend Jeff. He's like, totally sucks. I'm not going to be a part of churches anymore. Had enough of it. I said, I feel you. I feel you. How can the dude do that? How can he misappropriate our faithfulness? How can he take advantage of us and turn us and turn into a bait and switch kind of thing? He's hurting. He's hurting. He's hurting. And he's hurting. He's frustrated. He comes up there. And I said, hey, hey, I love you. There's a lot of things you could do. But here's my question. When you wrote that check, did you write it to that dude? Or did you give it to the Lord? He said, I gave it to the Lord. I said, God's going to honor your faithfulness. God's going to honor your heart. God's going to honor the fact that you were doing what he asked you to do. Vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. I will stand before the Lord and give an account. But living generous lives should be the overflow. So you got hurt. I got hurt. You got betrayed. You got betrayed. Got ripped off, got ripped off. I will learn from it, but vengeance is the Lord's, and I declare that I will serve God come hell or high water, and I'm going to stay faithful to Him. One of the characteristics of worshiping God is generosity. Here's another thing we build authentic relationships. Next week, the whole message is going to be about form for His family, about the importance of connectivity. But one of the things that brings God great pleasure is, oh, how, even Trump quoted it. God, what happened there? But Trump quoted it. Oh, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. When we dwell together in unity, in oneness, and fulfill Ephesians 4, John 17, that they would be one like you and I are one, Father. When we start to live united and connected how many things can happen? We're going to talk about, about that next week, the importance of being connected to a healthy body. Here's another one. Share your faith with a lost world. Share your faith with your neighbor. Share your faith. 
John Piper said, missions exist because worship doesn't. I'm reading that going, that is profound. Missions exist because worship doesn't. If each and every one of us was worshiping God with all of our hearts at work, at school, in our neighborhood, etc., we don't have to pay people to go out and represent Jesus. We're doing it. My buddy Wayne, we were, we were talking on Wednesday, and he, he was like, man, I got to tell you a story. And Wayne and Betty, man, I, I just love them, but Wayne was sharing with me. He goes, he was at the gym, and uh, while he was working out, he asked this person, uh, hey, you mind if I share my story with you? Because your story matters. You mind if I share my story? Wayne said he shared his story of God's redemptive work in his life and how God is restoring his life and doing amazing things right now in his life. And the person said, I needed to hear that. I needed to hear that. When you share the radical work that Christ is doing in your life with other people, I promise you, they need to hear it. They need to hear that their story matters. And you need to believe that your story matters and God wants to use your story in a redemptive way. Your story matters. No matter where you're at and who you're talking to this week, your story matters. Go share your faith. Yes, Trevor and Brittany, they're, they're getting ready to leave Wednesday to go plant a church in Spain. Trevor, your story matters. Then people in Spain, their story matters. Even though only maybe 3% of that whole populace there is even churched at any level, their, their story matters. Go tell them, Trevor, that God's good, that God made them. Here's another one, serve others. Jesus said, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. When you, when you changed that diaper, you did it to me. When, when you bought that homeless dude a sandwich, you did it to me. When you reached out and loved on your neighbor and prayed for him during a time of hurt and turmoil, you did it to me. So worship, whatever we're doing, is to him. Here's the last one. Have an attitude of thankfulness. I'm telling you, if the majority of people that call themselves Christians, would let their face know it, it would be amazing. I've had people, oh, I love Jesus. You're so sour and bitter. You need to, you need to do something. If the joy of the Lord is in your soul, it's going to come out of your face. When you start to live a life of thankfulness, all things, give thanks. You don't know how bad my week's been. And all things give thanks. If you can't praise him in the storm, how can you praise him on the mountaintop? Come on. Your God's good no matter where you're at. It might hurt. He tells us in Galatians 6, come, 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 come here. Carry each other's burdens a little bit and help fulfill the law of Christ. Sometimes we got to walk with somebody else to help us through the journey. Thanks for being there. You got it. We'll carry each other's burdens. But give thanks. You give thanks when you're going through elbow surgeries? Give thanks. Yes. Yes. Give thanks when you're getting sliced and diced? Yes. Give thanks. I had my shoulder sliced open, major work in this sling for three, uh, three weeks. Couldn't move it. And I'm like, God, what do I do? He said, read Philippians every day for the next three weeks. 
I read Philippians in the morning, read Philippians at night. Why? Because I needed a checkup from the neck up to eliminate stinking thinking. I was jacked up. I was mad. I couldn't play baseball. I read Philippians. Paul's in jail. Where's he at? He's in a dungeon. Where's he at? A rat-infested sewage area. Really? <laughs> That's where he was. He wasn't getting hospital food, homie. He was chained up to a jailer in a sewage joint. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice and let your forbearing spirit be made known. All the Lord is near and do all things through Christ. My God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Woo! It took about two days and you want to talk about an attitude of gratitude and thankfulness. Recalibrate. Give thanks to the Lord. He is good. Worship your king. So here's the question as we wrap. Do you really worship God? Is he central? And see the priority in your life. He invites us to know him. I'm telling you, what could happen in your journey here in these next 30 minutes before we wrap everything up today is way more important than what happens at 305 at the Georgia Dome. I mean, we all want to see Matty Eyes have a good game, but... Deep down inside, what our souls are starving for is total surrender and reckoning with our King, Dallas. Come on, Sandy. That's what we walk in here today going, does he love me? Yes. Is he for you? Yes. Why did he cre create me? For his pleasure. For his pleasure. Matt, when you're up there playing them drums, he's like, for my pleasure. When Casey's up there picking the bass, for my pleasure. When Josh and John are up here jamming it, for my pleasure. When Nick is up here, when Tim is up here, when you go to Chili's and grab that salad today, for his pleasure. Come on. Come on. God says, come worship me. Come bow before me. Come find me to be enough to satisfy your soul. Surrender. I pray that today's word encouraged you, and thanks for joining us uh, on this uh, broadcast today. If we can help you in your walk with Christ in any way, feel free to contact us here at the Cross Loganville. Our email, info at thecrossloganville.org, or you can call us 770-554-3322. God bless you, and I pray that you have just an incredible day.